We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings upon the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Alright, where do we leave off? On Iqbal? We left on page two, philosophy, no doubt. Page two, philosophy, no doubt. Okay, begin reading. Philosophy, no doubt, has jurisdiction to judge religion. But what is to be judged is of such a nature that it will not submit to the jurisdiction of philosophy except on its own terms. Okay, so first part uh, I think makes sense. Philosophy has jurisdiction to judge. That's what philosophy does. It's critiquing. Mm -hmm. But religion saying, no, you got to critique me on my terms, not on your terms. What does that mean? Uh, you have to... Does it mean that you have to kind of assume the premises that religion begins with? In order well, to it's, it's essentially it's saying that philosophy is working with one set of premises, religion is working with a different set right. of premises. You know, that, that in a nutshell would be what we'd be saying. So how is that not circular like reasoning? Because you're saying that you can't critique me except using my like criteria. So that will be essentially what he's going to address in the second lecture, mm -hmm. the philosophical test of the revelations of religious experience. Okay. And so, so it is potentially circular that you can only judge me on my approach. But I mean, if we were to simplify it a little bit, we could say that, you know, religion can push back on philosophy and say, you can't prove or disprove God's existence. And so you can critique the claims we're making, but the most you're going to be able to say is we can't confirm. So, so through a philosophical lens, mm -hmm. you okay. know, because religion is extending beyond the realm of the mind and beyond the realm of language. So the faith is that you just, you, you have faith that these unconfirmed things are true. Well, from the realm of the mind. And so philosophy cannot address things that are of the realm of sentiment. Philosophy can't address things that are of the realm of intuition. Um, and so a way to think about this is, uh, why does a mother love her child? You could go biological and say, like, hormones. So philosophy, the best it can do is to say that, you know, there's, there's these, these hormones that are being secreted that create the sensation of love. Uh, uh, and perhaps that's what uh, the net result of philosophy would be, which is to reduce a human to uh, a bag of hormones and such. And then, you know, poetry and literature come along and say, no, that's all ridiculous. You're, you can't see the forest for the trees. And religion would say, well, we use both philosophy and literature. And... And so, through a philosophical lens, you're only getting a sampling with the illusion that you're getting a full picture. And that's part of the literature's pushback, that you can try to live a philosophical way, you're going to have much more in life if you live through literature. Mm-hmm. Right. And then would... So when we say philosophy, is, the, is, that, is it different between pre-enlightenment philosophy and, like, Post-enlightenment philosophy? Uh, when we're speaking of pre, if we're speaking of, of the West, then we're probably going all the way back to the Greeks. Yeah. And then the way Muslim philosophers expanded, uh, but I still think it's probably still overall the same issue. You know, It seems that in pre-modern philosophers, there's an assumption, there's an assumption of God, uh, if not an assumption of gods, but there's definitely an assumption of something greater. 
that is beyond the realm of philosophy. There are still some philosophers who don't do that. So some of the people that atheists regard as like the original atheist philosophers in the West, uh, I think it's like Anaximander and Anaxagoras that are looked at as these people who, in response to their community saying that the sun is God, they said, no, the sun is just molten metal. It's not God. It has no power. Right? So there are those thoughts. But when we speak of the other philosophers, it seems as though there is a, a sense that there is something bigger that is beyond the realm of philosophy. Whereas part of the idea of the Enlightenment is we're saying, no, nothing is beyond critique. Right. So. Continue. Yeah. While sitting in judgment on religion, philosophy cannot give religion an inferior place among its data. Okay. Religion, yeah. So essentially what we're saying is, one of the things religion is saying to philosophy is, you do not aim as high as we do. You do not aim as high as I do. And so when you're putting yourself in the position of critique, you're saying you aim higher and now you're critiquing, you know, whether or not you're allowing to regard this as higher. And religion is saying, we aim higher and you don't have the capability of seeing that. And the higher thing is just that reality beyond intellect? Yeah. Right. But religion contains philosophy, but philosophy does not contain religion. Uh, what does data mean here? I think he's speaking just in terms of the whatever is used by philosophy to provide analysis. Okay. Good. Religion is not a departmental affair. It is neither mere thought, nor mere feeling, nor mere action. It is an expression of the whole man. So that's the point right there. Yeah. But, thus, in the evaluation of religion, philosophy must recognize the central position of religion and has no other alternative but to admit it as something focal in the process of reflective synthesis. Okay, try to explain that sentence. Thus, in the evaluation of religion, philosophy must recognize the central position of religion and has no, no other alternative but to admit it as something focal in the process of reflective synthesis. What do we mean by the central position of religion? So, uh, the process, <coughs> there's a process of reflective synthesis, mm -hmm. um, and religion is at the core of that, mm -hmm. in, inevitably. Yeah, um, that is essentially religion in a way. So what, what is ref reflective synthesis? So you're... What is being reflective, reflected and what is, what is being synthesized? Okay, the synthesized part is easy, right? We're bringing things together. And so reflective synthesis would be this contemplation on all the different aspects of being, of reality, and then merging them into one. And that is the thing that we call religion. So what is being reflected? So the nature of reality, which includes the psychology of the human being, and the social behavior of the human being and the animals and the world and everything that can be imagined. So can I just simplify this and say in the process of developing a worldview? Um, I would say that's too simplistic compared to what he's saying, Okay. but it's not wrong. Cool. Nor is there any reason to suppose that thought and intuition are essentially opposed to each other. Okay, now we're introducing another idea. Uh, what is intuition? And what is the difference between intuition and thought? Intuition is 
Um, does that have to do with the heart? Yeah. So the fitra, I would say, is inclination or intuition. Okay. Um, in an Islamic context, and that's like an inclination towards God or to achieve that ultimate reality. Okay, it would include that. Um, and forget religion for a moment. What's um, intuition? What does it mean to intuit something? Like it's your reflective first response to a stimulus. Okay, put that in simple English. It's um, your first response. Okay, I didn't mean cut off half your sentence because then you're just saying the second half of the sentence was not necessary. So it's sort of like your gut feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Now what is thought? Thought is that that thing that we were talking about before, like that rational component with yeah. that, that includes cognitive content. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And intuition is that metaphor of the bird. Mm-hmm. Okay, continue. Uh, what was I? They spring up. They spring up from the same root and complement each other. The one grasps reality piecemeal, the other grasps it in its wholeness. Mm. So now, so this is part of the point we've been making, right? Mm. Philosophy is one segment of the experience of engagement. Uh, and it gives the illusion of being the whole thing. Uh-huh. And he's saying, no, it just takes everything piecemeal. Religion is looking at the wholeness. Yeah. Okay, continue. So, I'm, not, I'm, I'm obviously not well-versed in philosophy, but are there no other, you know, systems of philosophy that compete with religion as, like, a way to process reality? Meaning that people actually live? Mm-hmm. I don't know if anywhere that people actually live. Like Stoicism, for example. I mean, and I'm speaking of today. Oh. So if we speak of the Greeks, yeah, there's the Stoics, there's the Ionian philosophers, there's these people, that people. Um, so someone might consider themselves to be an Aristotelian in terms of their philosophy. But does that mean they live like Aristotle? Like Aristotle's philosophy? Probably not. You know, uh, some people might be hedonists. Or we might give them the label hedonist, where they're all about the flavors of life and all that stuff. Um, and so I think you'll find a few scattered people here and there. But by and large, in terms of Western philosophy, you're not going to find people that this is their, uh, this is how they live. I'm saying people outside of academia. Whereas outside of academia, you're going to find a hundred zillion Christians, Muslims, Jews, Hindus, etc. Right? Buddhists. So... But it's saying that nothing encompasses the entire person like religion. Yeah. Okay. And in the same way, where uh, replace philosophy with psychology, mm-hmm. you'll have psychologists and therapists that will have particular approaches. Right. And uh, they themselves may live according to those approaches, but do are there schools of psychology that? This is how people live their lives? No, not really. You so, know. kind of paralleling that, if you approach religion and your religious experience through, like, for example, one of the approaches that we've talked about, so, for example, if you're a mystic or if you're a jurist or if you're a philosopher, uh, all Muslim, do, 
do each of those individually give you that whole experience or would you have to complement your experience with different branches? I mean, if you just think of all the different, you know, experiences you have in life in the core of your day, right? You will have, you know, how you're processing what's happening in life. And, you know, so you're walking across the quads, you see a squirrel. One day you're going to look at the squirrel from a biological perspective. Another day you're going to look at it from the fact of how, how beautiful this moment in nature is. And from another day, you're going to just look at the squirrel philosophically. Another day, you're going to look at the squirrel in terms of like the, the whole hierarchy of species. Those are all different fields of inquiry. So, when we say that religion gives you... Um, what is it? It's like it's, in the, in the, it's the wholeness. That wholeness? Yeah. Um, that's a synthesis of all those different approaches. <laughs> Essentially, <clears throat> sorry, essentially, yeah, right? We would even go so far as to say the different religions have even wider, different levels of appreciation of reality. But nevertheless, religion is it's attempting to be a holistic approach to your engagement as a person with greater reality. Okay. So, would that be located within one individual, or is that just like in the entire Um, I don't understand the question. Those different approaches that yield the synthesis that gives you a wholeness? So, they're uh, the different approaches I would speak of as the, uh, the primary sources, and the content within the primary sources, and then, by extension, the scholarly tradition that comes from the primary sources as well as the active tradition, live tradition and such. I mean, think of just uh, philosophy is very rarely a lived reality. Religion is very frequently a lived reality. Okay. Okay. Uh, so the one grasps reality piece and the other grasps it in its wholeness. The one fixes its gaze on the eternal, the other on the temporal aspect of reality. Okay, which one is which? Eternal has to be religion. Yeah. Um, okay. And so, and so, the temporal reality—that's part of the limits of philosophy, especially science. The one is present enjoyment of the whole of reality. The other aims at traversing the whole by slowly specifying and closing up the various regions of the whole for exclusive observation. Okay, try to translate this, the first part. Yeah, the first one, so religion yeah. is, you know, in the moment um, appreciation of all creation. Mm-hmm. Is that creation or is that... Reality is not the same as creation. Right. So then that, that entire uh, system of divine plus material, uh-huh. is that right? I mean, uh, that becomes a huge theological claim, but just everything that can be interacted with. Okay. The other in between... So the other is basically um, understanding the universe piecemeal Mm -hmm. by, you know, choosing an approach and, like, looking at one part of reality. So one approach would be physics, another approach would be chemistry, another approach would be biology, another approach would be mathematics... 
Right. And then at the human level, economics, psychology, sociology, anthropology, history. Yeah. The idea being it's piecemeal. Right. Yeah. So, hypothetically, if we had a person who was a doctorate in every field every 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 field mm-hmm. um, would they not uh, would they would they, would their understanding still be piecemeal uh, if they can synthesize it then potentially not uh, but if they're shifting then it's sort of like the basketball player who slam dunks does free throws does three-point shots, and they're all scoring, but they're all different techniques. Uh, and so, so, in this moment, am I using a literary approach, or am I using a philosophical or mathematical approach? <clears throat> the goal is to figure out a lived engagement. So there's the line at the beginning of Enter the Dragon, Bruce Lee movie, where... He's with his teacher, and his teacher, uh, he's talking about learning all the different techniques of martial arts so that you then have no technique. Mm -hmm. Which means in this moment, you use this move, in that moment, you use that move, as though you've internalized all of them. With knowledge, I think it's a little bit different, but it's close to it being there. That's a cool metaphor. Sure. Uh, the difference being that we would be assuming that if you had a PhD in all the fields, that those are all the fields that are possible. Right. Like right. there are new fields popping up all the time. Yeah. Um, okay. Both are in need of each other for mutual rejuvenation. Mm. What do you think about that point? So religion needs philosophy, philosophy needs religion. Yeah, and they both need rejuvenation. Keep going. Is that saying that Islam needs if Islam needs rejuvenation? Yeah. That means Islam is. I mean, let's look at the title of the book. Yes. <laughs> but that means that Islam is kind of not divine in a way. What does it, like, it mean that? Because something that's divine can't be changed and does not need to change. Says who? Because God is eternal. Yeah, but what does that have to do with religion? I'm saying that religion is then a social life phenomenon. Okay, but what if God made it such that it needs to be changed? I mean, didn't God make humans? Or God make animals? Yeah. And then, are we saying that uh, that evolution can't happen then? Animals can't change? I mean, it could be. Or, didn't God make milk? Doesn't milk spoil? So, so how, are we, how are we equating religion, which is supposed to, supposedly this... Uh, super philosophical uh, thing. How do, how do you put that at the same level of, as a material-like thing? 
I don't understand your question, especially using thing and thing. You gotta give me words. <laughs> thing. How do we... So, religion is this super rational, super philosophical uh, entity. Okay, um, entity is thing. <laughs> um, you mean system? System of reflective synthesis. Okay. Um, how do we put that at the same level as milk, for example? Or how do we put milk as the same level as that? Okay, so <clears throat> do you believe the Quran is for all time and place? Yes. Then why is it in Arabic? Um, and why is it that it seems very clearly that it's speaking to men? Thus, being in Arabic, it's speaking to Arabic Arab men. See, I don't know. Uh -huh. So what I'm suggesting is you're applying a rule that is not necessarily there. So uh, a, t a scenario a teacher used to give me is, <clears throat> suppose we had a video camera, okay? And we see some particular prophet in history who has previous scriptures from Allah, and he is going through each of these scriptures to create a new scripture, okay? On uh, his own volition. Well, let's say that's the instruction he's getting from Allah. Mm -hmm. Okay, take some passages from this book, take some passages from this book, take some passages from this book, and write a new... Okay, we're back. Mm -hmm. Okay, <laughs> so see the, the last point that I'm making mm -hmm. is that the revelation is coming from the divine, but so too are the changes in material circumstance coming from the divine as well. Mm -hmm. That history is also the divine plan unrolling. That's other. Right. Which then means, how do you reconcile the revelation with the changes in the, in the material circumstances that is also a process of trying to reach what the divine seeks what the divine will is and that's interpretation so we're saying the goal of interpretation is also to continue that connection with the divine and so then the prophet peace be upon him is saying if you do ishtaha then you get the wrong answer you still get rewarded if you get the right answer you get double reward right yeah. okay Both seek visions of the same reality, which reveals itself to them in accordance with their function in life. Okay, so you, that makes sense, right? Yeah. So if I'm looking at the, uh, reality through the lens of history, that's how I'm going to read reality. Religion is giving you just a wider understanding. In fact, intuition, as Bergson rightly says, is only a higher kind of intellect. Okay. So he's also categorizing intuition for us. So another way to think about this is if you were to categorize scripture, mm -hmm. whether you're talking about the Quran or the Bible, those are the easiest one to make reference to, what 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 bookshelf should they be on? I mean, you can either put them in mythology or fiction, but you can put them there. You can't put them, would you call them books of philosophy? No. no. I mean, it contains philosophy. Would you call it a book of history? No. It has to it has be its own. own category, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. question about... So, intuition is 
a higher kind of intellect? Where is this hierarchy coming from? Uh, this, I mean, uh, I don't recall if he expands upon this. I think the real point he's trying to make is that intuition is a type of intellect. Mm-hmm. It's not, when we're saying gut feeling, that is almost doing it a disservice because yeah. it sounds uh, like something imaginary. Mm-hmm. Um, does intellect mean that it's rational? Uh, that I don't know. That whether he means that, that we probably have to do some more research. Because when I'm speaking, like in class, I'm speaking of the the mind, the heart, the body having their own realms of intellect. And so, if we're saying rational as in of the mind, I don't know if he's saying that though. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Keep going. Uh, yeah. Do you have time? Yeah. Okay, so. The search for rational foundations in Islam may be regarded to have begun with the Prophet himself. Okay, so <coughs> sum up this first paragraph. Yeah. Uh, that started... This is actually... That was all one paragraph. One paragraph, wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's the problem with the academic writers. Okay. So I'm going to take it like ten lines at a time. Yeah. So we started with uh, his introduction about different kinds of um, in uh, human endeavors. So before that, where did we start with? So we talked about like, so the questions were, yeah. how do people perceive reality? How do people understand yeah. reality? So first uh, are just questions. Yeah. And then we went from there to... So the, the approaches were like, for example, poetry, which re- yeah. deals with sentiment, uh, religion, which deals with this holistic thing, and then philosophy, or in a different order, but yeah. philosophy, which is essentially a rational pro- understanding of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next section talked about um, what philosophy is, mm-hmm. um, so how it's a, a methodology of free inquiry that suspects all authority, and differ- it, we differentiate here philosophy from religion, because um, religion seeks this ultimate reality that philosophy uh, does not seek or does not try to seek? Um, That religion seeks this ultimate reality um, with a wider lens than what philosophy has. Uh And here we we talk about faith and um, how, which we talk about later on as well, Mm -hmm. But that there's unconfirmed things that you need to that religion requires you to take as truth. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, we talked about we talked about about rationality here, mm-hmm. where faith is more than mere feeling, so it has this rational component, and this is where we talked about how we need to reinvent, or Iqbal says that we need to reinvent religion because um, modern day people, like lay people even, have rational faculties that are unprecedented and we need to adapt our style of teaching religion to that rational faculty. Um, So we talked about ideas versus feelings 
where ideas are rational and feelings are non-rational. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we talked about inner and outer life. Mm-hmm. So, what did we say about that? Uh, so, we talked about the dimensions of Islam. So, mysticism versus, for example, uh, jurists. Yeah. And how jurists deal with law and the outer life, whereas mystics deal with spirituality and, or not exclusively yeah. spirituality, but like that that genre mm-hmm. and like inner life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then part of the whole religion is transformation of these things. Okay. Uh, and then we talked about the fact that religion needs rationality, which is which seems counterintuitive sometimes. Where in our in in, in my present circum in my initial circumstances, because um, a lot of faith we take as non-rational truths, but Iqbal is arguing that it does require a rational foundation so that we can cater to uh, modern Muslims um, because we have to justify religion with the environment in which humanity finds itself. We talked about secularity, that this is the age of rationalism and how <coughs> religion can be an identity if we don't cater to, th- to that modern rational faculty and then today we talked about the, the role that philosophy and religion have towards each other mm-hmm. so um, judging slash evaluating religion versus um, understanding that it's a different paradigm of thought and has to be evaluated on its own terms mm-hmm. or uh, the terms that philosophy is using may be insufficient. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you want to stop here? Or do you want to continue in the next paragraph? We can stop here. All right, inshallah. So we're at the paragraph at the bottom of page two, inshallah, of the Stanford edition. Okay. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta nastafiruka wa tubi ilayk wa akhir da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Cool.